Have you ever heard someone pray and you thought to yourself, now that was kind of an odd prayer? Ever had that happen? Over the years, I've heard a lot of prayers and I've read a lot of prayers. And one of the oddest prayers, one of the strangest prayers I have ever read was a prayer by Martin Luther. You see, the year was 1640 and he was well along in his way standing against the Catholic Church and standing up and leading the Protestant Reformation. And in 1640, Martin Luther received a letter from a good friend of his by the name of Frederick Myconius. And Frederick was deathly ill. He was bedridden. And he was convinced that he was going to die any day. And so because Luther was such a good friend of his, he wrote a letter to Martin Luther that was basically a goodbye letter letting him know that that Luther had been a good friend and this would be the last time he would be able to write to him. Martin Luther read that letter and immediately responded with a letter of his own. And this is a quote from his letter. He said this, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done. That's a little bit of an odd prayer, don't you think? A little presumptuous, a little self-absorbed, but in all fairness to Martin Luther, I didn't finish the sentence. Here's what the full sentence says, The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Wow. What a prayer. This month, we've had as our home base Jesus' teaching about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5-15. through 15. Normally we call this the Lord's Prayer, and most of you are familiar with it, where Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Jesus has been teaching us through that prayer we've been looking at in the month of January that there are really four components to our prayer to make sure that our our prayers are powerful, that our prayers are allowing us to deepen in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so we've been walking through these four pillars of prayer this month. The P in pray stands for praise. And thanks. A couple weeks ago, we focused in on this element of prayer. It's so important that our prayers contain praise to God, praising Him for who He is, and also thanking Him for what He has done. The R in praise stands for repent. We looked at this last week. Repentance isn't just a matter of saying, God, I I blew it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. That's not repentance. Repentance we saw as a change, right? So when I say repentance, you think, remember that? I say repent, you say change. Repent, repent. I say repent, you say change. Repent, repent. All right, we got it. 
To repent is to change. And we saw last week that when it comes to prayer, it's not so much about changing God's mind or changing God's plans. It's more about me changing my mind and me changing my plans because His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen? So prayer is about aligning ourselves with God. Sometimes we need to do that because we have sinned. Sometimes we need to do that simply because we need to do that. Our way might be good, but His way is always best. And today we're going to focus in on the A and the Y. The A stands for ask. The Y stands for yield. Today we're going to talk about asking and yielding in prayer. And there are three words in particular that I am hoping God will just embed in your minds and hearts today because these three words will help strengthen and deepen your prayer from this point forward. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, this is your day. This is your service. And we love, Lord learning what You have in mind for us so we can grow closer to You, so we can deeper in our walks with You, and so that we can be more effective as we leave this place and serve You to grow Your kingdom. Oh God, speak to us today. Open our minds and hearts. Change us through Your Word. And all God's people said, Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be a good one. And turn to that person on the other side and say, Partly because it's going to be shorter than usual. Go ahead. Okay, hang with me because I promised you a little bit shorter sermon today and so I'm going to be moving through some of this stuff pretty quickly. I'm going to share some scriptures with you today that I'd like you to turn to. The first of those I want you to turn to is 1 John chapter 5. Now, the passages we look at today, I guarantee you all of these are really good, but for many of you this is going to be your favorite of the passages we look at today. 1 John chapter 5 And we're going to look at just two verses there, verses 14 and 15. If you don't have a conscience issue with underlining sentences in your Bible or highlighting verses, then I encourage you to underline or highlight these two verses in your Bible because they are that good. I want you to be able to get to these quickly and identify them quickly down the road when you're flipping through your Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. So I want you to notice that there is this beautiful little three-letter word that's used twice in these verses. It's that little word, ask. Notice what it says there. Approaching God, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Beautiful word. Uh, This beautiful three-letter word is used by James as well. Over in James chapter 4, verse 2, another very well-known verse on prayer, James says, you do not have because you do not ask. And some of the older translations say it this way, you have not because you ask not. And so both James and John here are making this point that prayer must contain asking. Now in James, he says many of you ask but don't don't, don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Here John is saying you've got to make sure that you are asking according to God's Will. So here's a bottom line point from this passage in 1 John. If we are asking God for something that isn't His will, we can ask day and night until we're blue in the face, God won't do it. 
If we don't ask according to His will, God won't do it. God promised us to do what we ask Him to do only if certain qualifications are met. And one of those qualifications is we need to ask according to His will, not my will, not our will. So my desires need to line up with His desires. I must yield my will to His will. I must yield my plans to His plans. We must yield our prayer requests to Jesus' prayer request. Imagine if Jesus was in your exact situation right now and He was praying a prayer. How would He pray? And we must yield our prayer request to Christ's prayer request. Now, I want to share with you these three words that are so critical for us to allow God to sink into our minds and hearts today. You with me? You ready for this? Here they are. You may want to write them down because these are good. We've got the handouts for you. encourage you to jot these down. Word number one is glory. Church, say glory. Okay. Word number two is access. Church, say access. The third word is boldness. Boldness? Okay, those are the three words we're going to focus in on over the next 20 minutes or so. And so we've got glory, we've got access, and we've got boldness. Go ahead and flip to the back of your handout, and we'll have some uh, verses for you along the way and some space for you to jot down some notes about each of these Three. It's very common for people to ask the question, what's the point of prayer? And let me ask you, if someone came up to you and asked, what's the point of prayer? How might you answer that question? Maybe you'd say, well, you know what, uh, I, I'm a Christian and it gives me an opportunity to have a conversation with God. I, I share my prayer requests with Him and we're able to have a conversation. That's not a bad answer, is it? What's the point of prayer? Why do you pray? Some might say, well, you know what? Sometimes I just get really stressed out. I get really anxious. Sometimes I get a little depressed. And I go to prayer and it calms me down and it helps me feel better. That's a good reason to pray, don't you think? Some might say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and that's just what Christians are supposed to do. I've been told for years I'm supposed to pray. Read my Bible, pray every day, and I'll grow, grow, grow. That's what I do. That's not a very good answer. We shouldn't just do it because we're supposed to. I want to know, what does the Bible say is the purpose of prayer? I want you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, fourth book in our New Testament. This is actually the longest prayer of Jesus in the New Testament. And so, John 17, it's a beautiful prayer. I encourage you to read that on your own. We're just going to focus in on the very first verse, John chapter 17, starting in verse 1. I'm curious, the longest prayer of Jesus in the New Testament, what does he model for us in the very first verse of that prayer about what the point of prayer is? So John 17, look at verse 1. Jesus starts his prayer by saying, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Now, notice what Jesus does in the very first verse of this prayer. He addresses God in the same way that He taught us to address God in the Lord's Prayer. Remember, our Father which art in heaven? Jesus here simply begins by saying, Father. He addresses God as Father. The time has come. What time? The time for Him to fulfill what He came to earth to do. To die on the cross for our sins, to pay the price, so that we could be forgiven and live with God forever in heaven. The time has come. And then he gives his first request of the prayer. What's his request? Look at verse 1. His request is, glorify your Son. 
I want you to, inc- to encourage you to look at those three words there, glorify your son, as any request that you might ever ask in a prayer. Jesus' request was glorify your son. But it could be, uh, Lord, give me strength. Lord, give me endurance. Lord, give me food for my table. Help me pay my bills. Whatever that request is, you insert it right there in that prayer. Father, and you give that request. And then notice what he says right after giving that request. Why is he making this request? That your son may what? May glorify you. I want to suggest to you that right here in the very first verse of the longest prayer of Jesus in the whole Bible... Jesus gives us the point of prayer. Yes, prayer is a wonderful way to have a conversation with the God that you love. Yes, it's a great way to build your relationship with God. Yes, it's a great way to share your needs with God so He can answer and meet those needs. Yes, it's a wonderful way to praise Him and to thank Him and to turn from your sin. But I want to suggest to you the number one purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God. Amen? Not only is that our number one purpose in life, That is the number one purpose in prayer. It's the very design of prayer to bring glory to God. Church, say glory. That is the purpose of prayer, to bring honor and glory to God. This is a critically important reality about prayer that you and I must understand and embrace. If we do not embrace this reality, what tends to happen is we misuse and abuse prayer. If we think prayer is about me, If prayer is about me changing God to bend to my will, prayer is about me convincing God to do what I want Him to do, then we will abuse and misuse prayer. We have to always keep in mind that prayer exists, number one, to glorify God. Prayer isn't about me changing God. Prayer is about God changing me. Prayer isn't about bringing myself glory. Prayer is always about bringing God glory. Now, let's get really practical here. Sooner or later, we're all going to get sick. Because we live in this world that's broken and sick, right? Sooner or later, we're all going to get sick. So, keeping in mind that the number one purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God, how might we pray when we're sick? Let me suggest this. This is one way that we could pray. God, I'm not feeling very good here. God, I'm feeling pretty lousy. I'm feeling pretty sick. If it will glorify you, take away this illness. Heal me. But if it will glorify you even more, then let me remain sick. And as I remain sick, I ask God that you'd give me the power and the grace to glorify you through my sickness. Wow. You say, Dane, you can't be serious, right? (laughs) You expect me to believe that Christians actually pray like this? Yes, I do. Let me point to a couple in this room right now. I didn't tell them I was going to put them on the spot, but here we go. Alan back there in the back of the room. Eleven years he's been in that wheelchair. He was diagnosed about nine years ago with arachnoiditis. As many of you know his story, it's a debilitating neurological disease. Every time he stands up, he shoots to level 10 pain almost immediately. It's confined him to that wheelchair at the age of 29. He's been all over the world seeking cures, seeking treatments, and nothing has worked. And I tell you, over these 11 years, he has prayed, and his mom, I think I see her in the back of the room, has prayed, and Joe, his dad, has prayed, God, would you heal our son? Alan has prayed, God, would you heal me? 
But those of you who know Alan know that he's got this joy and this, this love for the Lord that resonates from his life and this encouragement and this exuberance. And that comes because Alan settled in his mind long ago, I'm not going to give up asking God to heal me, but at the same time he has prayed, God, if it will bring you more glory, leave me like I am in this wheelchair so I can bring even more glory to you. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. And right across from Alan is our beloved Teresa. She's had more than her fair share of health issues over the years. And you better believe she'd say, God, heal me of these physical ailments I deal with. But you know when Teresa comes into this room, even if she's in pain, she's got a smile on her face because she's resolved to serve the Lord and bring Him glory no matter how she feels, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the diagnosis may be. She serves the Lord. God, if it will bring you more glory, leave me just the way I am. There's a powerful way to pray when we realize... Go ahead. This is such a powerful way to pray when we realize that God can be glorified in the midst of our illness. And one of the most damaging things that I think that has been uh, taking place in the church in recent years across America is this whole wealth and health and wealth gospel that God wants everybody to be physically healthy. God wants everybody to have their disease healed. God wants everyone with cancer cured. And that's just simply not true because God is a God who can work in the valleys as well as on the mountaintops. And in in the valleys, sometimes He does His very best work, and at times He will choose to allow us to remain in our crummy situation or with our crummy health because He knows good and well He can stretch us, He can teach us, and He can work through us to bring Himself and His Son even more glory. And you see the power on so many different levels when you embrace this reality about prayer that is for the glory of God. Oh, Hallisby, in his book on prayer that I introduced to you a few weeks ago, says this. He says it so well. Whether you pray for big things or for little things, say to God, if it will glorify thy name, then grant my prayer and help me. But if it will not glorify thy name, then let me remain in my predicament and give me power to glorify thy name in the situation in which I find myself. What a great word. God, if I'm sick and it'll glorify you to allow me to stay sick, then let me stay sick. We've been teaching our little girl with her type 1 diabetes this, and I want my little girl to be healed. We don't like those, those buzzers and, and, uh, and warnings going off in the middle of the night and having to get up and either dose her with insulin because her blood sugar's through the roof or giving her Gatorade or Sprite at 2 a.m. because her blood sugar is plummeting. I don't like doing that. It's hard. It's difficult. And that poor little girl gets her finger poked day in and day out and her insulin apparatus and all of that. We wish she was healed, but we've tried to teach her from the very beginning if God doesn't choose to heal you it's because he's got a special purpose for your life and he's going to use you and he's going to work through that diabetes and I hope that sinks in at a young age because we serve an awesome God that can work in the midst of our illness And maybe for some of you your health is great but maybe it's your finances God fix my finances they're horrible I'm tired of getting the shutoff notices for my gas and electric I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe for some of you it's your marriage or your kids or your parents, whatever it may be, you take your circumstance to God and if you'll have this attitude in your prayer, God, please fix it if it be your will. I'll glorify you. I'll thank you forever and ever, I promise. But if it'll glorify you even more, 
Let me stay in it, O God. If we'll take that attitude to our prayers, I tell you, it can turn the power on in our prayers. The first word is glory. The second word I don't want you to miss is the word access. Access. You see, prayer is the means by which Jesus is given access to our lives. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read it for you, but in your own time, you can turn to Revelation chapter 3 and see this for yourselves. In Revelation 3, verses 19 and 20, we find in particular that second verse, verse 20, one of the best known verses in the entire Bible. This verse is so well known, if you go to In-N-Out Burger and flip your burger wrapper upside down, you'll see Revelation 3.20 written on that burger wrapper. Many of you are familiar with this verse, but I'll start in verse 19 where John, the revelator, says this. He says, Those whom I love, I rebuke. He's quoting Jesus here. Those who I love, I rebuke and I discipline, so be earnest and repent. And here's that verse we know well. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, most of the time when this verse is quoted, we share it with non-Christians who we want to come to Christ. We tell them that Jesus Christ is knocking on your heart's door and wants you to come to Him and be forgiven. But let me ask you, these two verses here, was Jesus speaking to non-Christians who needed to be saved or to Christians who were already saved? He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to a church, the church of Laodicea. And so here He's saying, I'm standing at the door and knocking. He's speaking to people who are already saved. He's speaking to people who already asked Jesus into their heart. He's speaking to a church here. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying, you guys invited me into your life, but there are certain things in your life where you're shutting me out. You're shutting me out of certain parts of your life. And so in in his book, O'Hallisby was pointing out that prayer is about giving Jesus Christ access to every single part of your life. Don't buy into this notion that if you asked Jesus into your heart 30 years ago, that you've actually allowed Him to be Lord of every part of your life. Because most of the time, that's not the case. We might invite Him into our life, but then we shut Him out from areas we don't want Him to get involved in. God, I'll deal with my own finances. God, I'll deal with my own crummy attitude. God, I'll deal with my own marriage. And Jesus, meanwhile, is knocking and saying, would you let me in not just to half of your life, but to every part of it. Prayer is about access. Jesus, here are my issues. You have my full permission to deal with them however you see best for your glory. Jesus, here is my crummy attitude. Jesus, here is my marriage. Jesus, here are my kids. Here are my finances. Here is my health. Here is my biology homework. Yeah, even the little things. Jesus, here is my church. Here is my president. I know full well that some of you tear your hair out, pull your hair out when you hear Trump give a speech. In a room this size, some are going to love him, some are going to hate him. And so, we as Christians sometimes argue back and forth, is he a good president, is he not a good president, do we love him, do we hate him? Just pray for the man. God, here is my president. Maybe you love Trump, but can't stand Jerry Brown. God, here is my governor. Maybe you love Jerry Brown, but can't stand our mayor. God, here is our mayor. I give him to you, I give her to you. Move in every one of these areas of my life, everywhere in my circle of influence, God, not for my glory, but for 
your glory. Prayer is about access. Through prayer, we gain access to God's throne of grace, but more importantly, through prayer, we allow Jesus Christ to gain access to every part of me. Amen? And that's what we should do as a church together. God, here's every part of our church. Here's our budget. Here's our Sunday school classes. Here's our youth ministry. Here's our children's ministry. Here's this building. Here are these chairs. Here's our praise team. God, it's yours. Give Jesus access. Don't shut Him out in every, any area that you pray about. Prayer is the means by which Jesus is given access to our lives. So what's the purpose of prayer? To bring glory to God. What is prayer about? Prayer is about allowing Jesus Christ as He's knocking on our door to gain access to every part of our lives. And then the third word is the word boldness. It's the word boldness. I referenced the verse a moment ago. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says this, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, some translated as boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, let's see if we can pull this whole month together. When we go to God in prayer, it's a good idea to always have praise in that prayer You praise Him for who He is and you thank Him for what He's done. Praise is such an important part of prayer. And when we pray, we should go to God humbly, not with any arrogant notion that I'm going to change God and bend Him to my will, but I am going to go to God humbly with this deep-seated conviction that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts and His ways are higher than my ways. And I'm going to go to prayer willing to bend my will to His will, willing to change so that I can align my thoughts and my direction with His So if someone's going to change, oh God, it's going to be me. If someone needs to turn, it's going to be me. And as I make requests of God, I will make them with His glory in mind because that's the very purpose of prayer. I will make my prayer requests thinking of His honor and His glory. I come with my ideas of what I'd like God to do, but I'm always willing to yield those prayer requests to His will and to His glory. And I will give Him full access to my whole life and to everything and everyone that I pray for. And because Jesus delights in answering the prayers of those whose only purpose is to bring Him glory, because He delights in those types of followers of His, Jesus Christ says, come boldly to My throne of grace, and you will find the help you need to help in your time of need. Martin Luther wrote that letter to his friend Frederick. And Frederick got that letter in the mail. And when he opened that letter, Frederick Myconius was a bit surprised, as you might guess. He read that letter with trembling hands as he lay there on his deathbed. As Martin Luther had those words, The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. Just a few moments, girls, if you would. He said, I will not allow you to die. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. And guess what happened? He says, I'm going to die before you do, Frederick. And what happened was, Frederick Myconius survived through the night. And through the next night. And the night after that. In fact, he got completely well. He rejoined Martin Luther in helping him with the task of carrying out the Protestant Reformation. A little over five years later, Martin Luther died 
went to be with the Lord and Frederick Myconius was still alive. He lived another two months. But God answered that prayer because Martin Luther's only purpose and desire was to bring glory to God. We're going to do a little something different over the next few moments. We always have an invitation time on a Sunday morning. We always give you an opportunity to come for prayer or if you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to come and do that. We're going to extend this time a little bit as we finish up this prayer series this month. We're going to take a little bit more time than usual. Our elders are all ready today. We've got some anointing oil we've brought up today. Something we normally don't do on a Sunday morning, but we felt that this is something that would honor the Lord today and bring Him honor and glory. I received a message from Teresa yesterday. One of our church members, Sharon Benson, has been in the hospital for the last month. She has stage 4 endometrial cancer. The doctors told her she doesn't have much time to live, so in tears she was telling us over the last couple days that she had to come home on Friday night with her pick line and has to get her affairs in order. And she asked if the elders would come over and, and pray for her this afternoon at her home because she wasn't physically able to be here today. She had heard that we're going to do what we're about to do, and she wanted to be here, but she just physically can't be here. We know there's others of you going through your health issues. and We want to make a point of it over the next few minutes. Our elders are going to be up here beside me, and they're going to pray over you if you need prayer. They're going to anoint you with oil because, as it says in James chapter 5, is any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Do you believe the promise of those verses? Amen? Maybe some of you are here today and physically you're okay, but your marriage is going through some difficulty. We'd love to pray over you and anoint both of you that God would touch your marriage. Maybe some of you have a child or a parent you need to come up with. Maybe it is your finances, any number of things, but we're going to take a little bit more time than usual to pray for you. So I'm going to ask that you stand right now. I'm going to ask the elders to go ahead and come forward. There you go, Gary. If you need prayer, you come. Praise team, you come on up, ladies. We can pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just be so, so present and palpable in this room over these next few minutes. Lord, we want to come to You in prayer. We want to present our needs to You humbly. We want to join together with one voice and lift up these needs. Lord Jesus, we pray that You would hear and answer these prayers for Your honor and glory so that the cause of Christ will be upheld I pray during this time, O oh God, that You would touch hearts that may need to come to You for the very first time, or maybe some who have backslidden, that You would bring them back to You during this time. Move, O oh God. Move, O oh God. This is an open time of prayer. If you feel so led to come and kneel at the steps and spend some quiet time with the Lord, feel free to do so. If you need to sit or stand or lift your hands or kneel right where you are, that's fine. This is a time where we're coming to the Lord. And if we can pray over you, if we can anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord, you come as we lift up these songs of invitation.